Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Doc Philip Brown with my good friend uh, Terry Jackson and our special guest Molly Chang, who he's going to introduce in just a moment. You know, the interesting thing about intersections is that we all face many intersections daily, and the way we navigate these determines the trajectory of our days and our lives. Terry, big day for us today. It's a huge day for us. We were at an intersection, actually. We were at the intersection of communication and how we do it so skillfully. And we have a special guest with us this morning, and that special guest is Molly Chang. And she is the expert of Say It Skillfully. So Molly and I met several years ago as we were members of the Marshall Goldsmith 100. Uh, she's probably one of the best spirits I've ever uh, communicated with. And so with that, Molly, how are you this morning? Terry, Doc, I could not be any better than being with the bright lights you are, and I am really grateful to be joining you and your listeners. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, give us a little bit about your background and how did you come up with this sage idea of Say It Skillfully? Well, you know, it's one of those things when life just happens because it's it has uh, it took over as a night job, I'll be very honest with you. It's not been my main business, although I started it as one recently. Um, but as a little bit of background, I uh, grew up, my parents were from overseas. Uh, my dad's from the mainland and my mom is from Hong Kong. So we were first generation born in the States in upstate New York. And so really it was a bit of the immigrant dream. I didn't speak English until I was five years old, mm -hmm. straight C's through first grade. So, you know, it's <laughs> one of those things people are like, what? And so I think I'm living proof that um, the ability to communicate uh, is something you absolutely can learn. I, um, I, I think people might think I'm quite an extrovert. I'm actually quite an introvert. I derive my energy from within. And um, I have uh, two darling sisters, five nieces and nephews. Mm. Uh, my parents are so with us. So very blessed to have had a really, really great upbringing. Uh, and I'm, just, I'm a geek at heart. So I was an engineer in school and I had a broad-based business career that included working at places called US Filter and Cisco Systems, where I learned to integrate companies to the tune of over 80 acquisitions. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with a lot of senior leaders through a lot of change, I would say, and so that has been a great privilege. Uh, and as you can imagine, you really learn a lot about people and getting people to work together and getting people to communicate. Um, and I am, am not a big company gal, um, at my heart, I would say I'm more entrepreneurial, but I was at Cisco many, many years. They had a lot of really cool jobs. Um, and then I would say I, I left on my own in 2014 to start my own company. And I really believe it's a privilege to lead. And um, it's an opportunity, a responsibility to lead well. And I saw a lot of really great people as leaders. But I'm going to be really honest, they weren't really working so great as a team. Mm. They wanted everyone else to work like a team. And I thought, well, that doesn't really work for me. Uh, so I ended up um, going off on my own and created Abella Consulting. And it's really about helping senior leaders win as one. Yes. So that's to commit to each other's success, to build that powerful chemistry to lead together, and to maximize the value that's created. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And then we both had the privilege of meeting Dear Marshall. Um, and that just changed my life forever. And I innocently i mean i innocently used this iphone and i threw a video up on linkedin and i'm not a social media person and it was a conversation 90 second conversation of how a, a junior person could speak up in a room full of management and i thought like 10 people would watch the video 
and like 36,000 people ended up watching this video. <laughs> and I swear to you, it just, it took over my life. I produced a video a week for almost a year and I got over a million and a half views. I got asked, do you want to have your own radio show? To which I said, yes, I want to have my own radio show. I don't even know what that means to have your own radio show. <laughs> um, but it, it's a real passion of mine to help people be seen, heard, understood, um, frankly, so that we all work and live better together. And this idea of uh, finding your voice, speaking up authentically, mm -hmm. um, so that we're all understood really, really moved me. And I find that a lot of people at work, good people, senior all the way to junior, aren't really saying what they think needs to be said. And that just stinks for the individual because you didn't go to whether you went to, you know, uh, Yale or Oxford or community college, you didn't come to work to be a mute, right? You really right. wanted to contribute. And so I find it a real work injustice. And the thing is, um, the leaders think is the people aren't speaking up the people think the leaders don't want to hear it. I mean, to cut to the chase, right? And so what I, I realize is when people um, get that we're all part of the problem and all part of the solution in terms of speaking up, then we can really bubble up and get to what I call an accurate shared reality, right? Mm. Which is being on the same page, which you have to have to make the best decisions, execute with speed and achieve your greatest outcomes. So it's just, it's such a duh, like it's like a giant neon light. <laughs> so, um, and I've just been grateful for you, Terry Dot, all the great support because, you know, at our core, every single one of us, like present company included, every single one of us could be more skillful. Mm -hmm. And when you can communicate and express yourself in a way where the other person hears you, it's just, it's a great feeling. It's super empowering and it's more effective. You know, so it's just like this great series of wins. So yes, yes. a little bit about the journey. It's so it's it's perfect because I, I guess I probably found you originally online and then met you through Terry uh, as you guys. Terry brought you into the JCG group that was working with the executive team I was on at the time uh, that was in the middle of a large health system uh, acquisition, or actually we were the acquiree. Uh, and so it was, those were really powerful lessons. And then, you know, I feel like I know you better than I really do. We never haven't seen you in person, but always, you know, in one of these virtual forums, but I love the, I love the way you put those things out and the context of senior leaders win as one and how to do that. And one of the things that we've seen happen on our show is our guests are, are tending to be people who can show us how to do things, right? Like, pragmatically how do you accomplish this you know everybody can get on board with the idea yeah teams should function together great right sounds good how do you do it and <laughs> That's right. and so i was hoping to go through some things that i know you touched on several of them in your introduction but this whole shared reality concept is so important and i wondered if you could expand on that a little bit how we create these shared realities better yeah, um, I really appreciate you bringing it up because this is the number one disconnect that I've seen in organizations of all sizes anywhere in the world of any industry, right? And when we're not on the same page, it's really hard to do great work. Mm -hmm. And the deal is um, there's very little objective reality other than the physical time, space, and distance of things. And so when I when I share this with people, I'm like, look, it, um, it is about the facts 
for sure. But it's also the human experience is part of their reality, right? Uh, Doc's happy. Terry's uh, sad. You know, it's just it, and it informs uh, where people are at and and how they feel, and that's a super important part of working with people, and particularly of leading. And so that ability to really to be able to see that, and you, you, I mean, I'm fairly intuitive. You might guess that, right? But that ability to kind of sense where people. Um, are, that's not, I don't think that's only an innate skill. I think you can actually learn that. Um, but it does take not being in good relationship, it takes being in good relationship with yourself. Meaning if you're really self-absorbed, it's very hard to put yourself in the other person's shoes. So I would say this notion of co-creating shared reality, which mm. is to say, you, know, you see, you see how, there's a given experience and people see it 10 different ways, right? Mm -hmm. and there's probably a little bit of right in every single one. So your ability to help people hear all voices, you know, I call this hear all voices, including the unpopular ones that are harder to say, is the only way to get to that accurate shared reality. So that's where the skillfulness comes up because if you're afraid that your boss is gonna jump on your back for saying something that's you know, disagreeing with him or her, and you're not gonna say it, well, then the group suffers because they're not actually getting your point of view. And your point of view may actually be wrong but the data has shown that even the wrong points of view will help uh, inform the cognitive thinking of a group. Mm -hmm. So it forces the group to be better, mm -hmm. right? And so I think the ability for people to jump in and say, you know, I may not be right. Let me just offer you this versus that idea of, well, I've got to be right. So you, you come in with a declarative statement. Well, because the world is green, you know? <laughs> you're like, well, the world isn't green. And now you look dumb. <laughs> so now you're never going to do that again, right? So it's, I think, helping people appreciate it isn't about the smartest person in the room. Right? We all have things to contribute. And in terms of this practical, a lot of folks think, well, I don't have the answer. I don't have anything to say. But if you notice, if you notice that, you know, gosh, we've heard from many of the same voices, but there's a bunch we haven't heard from. I'd love to hear from some folks who haven't spoken up yet. Oh my God, you've just given license for those quiets, we like to call them, to kind of chime into the conversation. I am traditionally a quiet. So we're we're like looking around, we're trying to get in, we can't get in because everyone else is talking. It's really off, tough, right? So for the quiets, the ability to go around and actually give space for people is a real gift. You know, Molly, um, as I was listening to your response, one of the things that came to mind was knowledge of self in order to really get to that shared reality. One must know oneself. When did you begin the journey of truly knowing who Molly is and how did you do that so that our listeners could, put, could use that as advice for those who are not as confident, uh, who, for those who may be introverts, but yet be able to speak out and for everyone to hear their voice? What would you, what would be the beginning of that journey for them? That is the $10 million question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking it. Uh, this journey to getting to know ourselves for who we really are is a lifetime's journey. It is well worth it and it is bumpy. <laughs> so I, um, I have always been a bit of a uh, self-helpy person. 
And I actually went through this. I listed out all the things I had done, whether it was books I read. Uh, I did a Tony Robbins course, uh, a set of 11 CDs, and I moved east <laughs> because of it. I've done yoga training. I've done, uh, you know, Alexander Technique, uh, the advanced, I mean, you name it. I kind of have always had sort of an interest in that one. Um, but two, you know, I was pretty self-absorbed, mm. not in a mean way. And I don't make myself bad or wrong. I think as young people, you can be a little bit self-absorbed. I was way more self-absorbed than I would like to admit. And, um, you know, I think at one point you kind of realize you're going to work as one person and you're like, there's another person in there. It's kind of a pain to kind of switch around and you start to realize, um, and you know, because I grew up, literally there was one Chinese, one black, one Korean family in upstate. So we really wanted to fit in. I mean, I remember, I mean, I had a great upbringing, but I do recall just painfully wanting to fit in, you know, and that's a lot of pressure. Um, and I think it took a while to just, you know, I didn't have a true North when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, some people are really, I thought were better at that. I was easily swayed for sure. Um, but then I think, you know, you, you become more mature and you know, we don't have enough hours in the day for me to sit down with all the ridiculous things, cringe worthy things that I did. I mean, really cringe <laughs> mortification, right? Those are the kinds of words. And so I could either be a boat anchor, be my worst enemy and berate myself for the rest of my life. Or I could say, look at you really screwed that up. Frickin' learn, be better, hmm. you know? And I just think that's a choice. I have never had, you know, I was on a, had a Navy SEAL on my show recently, as you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's never had, you know, self-doubt or negative talk. I'm not one who is inclined to that either. I, I'm, that might be the practical engineer in me. I'm like, why would I be my worst enemy? I think like, there's enough problems out there. Um, so I think that that journey helps you just see, you know, the great of yourself and the not so great. I mean, we're all perfectly imperfect. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta love you gotta love yourself for who you are. Mm -hmm. Newsflash. And I get that there are things that happened in people's past or what have you. And I do think that there's opportunity to make a conscious choice about you're gonna learn and move on. You're gonna learn and wallow. Um, if you need help, get help. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of. I mean, fortunately, I think it's you know much better now. People can seek out resources and good, get in good relationship within. And so that is the first part of say it skillfully is absolutely leading oneself, you know, figuring out what's going on for you. Are you mad? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you tired? Whatever it is, right? And then making a choice that you have to exhale whatever might be negative and holding you back and inhale uh, a way that you can be useful to a person or to a conversation. And, you know, you've heard our mentor Marshall say, hey, it's showtime. When you're a leader, you know, sometimes you don't feel so great. And you know what? You kind of got to fake because there's a lot of people counting on you. It doesn't mean you aren't real, but it does mean you have to do more than your fair share to show up in service to others. And um, as we all know, that's a real, a real honor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we must be universal has connected us in, in different ways in terms of how we process life. I think based on what you're saying, I'm a, have always been one of those self-help people too. you know, get coaching, take all these evaluations. I got, I, I used to review them every uh, year between Christmas and new year's. That would be my time to get my mind right mm -hmm. for the next year. But like the stack is getting too, 
thick. I don't have that kind of time. If I want to spend any family time, I've got to kind of get off that, right, and move on. But you said something um, in your last segment that was so powerful, I wanted to maybe ask you to explore it a little bit because you were talking about the pressure to fit in. And I wanted to ask you if you could help draw out a little bit about differentiating, uh, you know, that pressure to fit in versus the need to contribute mm. and how those are different. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this up. This is, um, there's so much socially. when you think about young kids and social media, I mean, I am, thank God, you know, I'm old. Because <laughs> I, that just would be really hard, really hard. Like all these perfect lives and perfect everything. I mean, it's so not where anything is. So, you know, I, I do think that when one has, grounding in terms of sense of self you may have pressure to fill it in but you have sense of self thank god to my parents you know we we just had a real sense of you can do it you know we were among the shortest in the class we didn't you know weigh that much i mean we kind of i always felt like i could you know carry my own and then some like always always and i worked in largely all male environments um, in a lot of my career and it was never a chip on my shoulder i never felt edgy, but I also, I think because I was used to being lone person out and never really faced me, I just really went about my merry way. Um, and I think this need to contribute, you know, Tony Robbins has these six dimensions. And for some of us, that impact dimension is really strong. Mm. For me, it's very strong, right? I will assess things and it's, if it will change the world, has the potential to change the world, you, you have a much higher likelihood of getting my interest. Um, versus something that's nice to do or fun to do or what have you. So I think understanding the driver, some people are very connection oriented. They're very about the human connection and not, and there's not one right or wrong, but it's important to know what really drives you and moves you so that you can kind of seek those things and feel fulfilled. And I do think that um, success, you know, it's just about living meaningfully, attributing in ways that are meaningful to you um, and, you know, if one life has been better because of yours, hey, that was worth it, right? Mm. So, I mean, I think some people um, look at it more broadly. I think every single person on this planet has value to add, and um, and it is a responsibility to try to add it. You know, I was on an elevator in, the, in my building, and this guy was talking about, well, you know, I'm going to retire soon. And he's a really young guy. And I looked at him in a very cheeky way. I'm like, oh, no, no, you can't retire. He looks like, so I'm like, how much golf and how much can you play and how much coffee can you drink? And I said, you know, we got a lot of big problems in the world here. Real, we need smart people on them. And you don't have to work full time. You know, you don't have to get paid even, but you can't retire, retire. You have to contribute because the world needs all of us rowing, you know, generally in the same direction because we got a lot of stuff that we got to fix. Mm. So, you know, I just, I just want to offer that for folks and you folks, we're all living the dream. I love what I do. You know, you love, I mean, I saw, I'm like, I'm always going to do it in some way or form. You know, it may, it may not be, you know, however, 60 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week. So I really encourage folks to think about what moves you, what brings you joy, the skills you have, um, how you can apply them. This is all getting to know ourselves for who we are. And it takes work, folks, right? It is, and you have to uncover things that you may not love about yourself. Um, but still love yourself for it because it is the, who, the human that you are. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, Molly, you said a couple of things that really resonated with me. 
uh, one, the retirement piece. I've often said I'm never going to retire, right? So that really, really resonated uh, with me. And the impact piece, right? I'm always kind of um, assessing what is my impact. Am I having enough impact? Who do I need to become to become more impactful? Um, and so when you talk about impact, I think that you're absolutely correct. There, there are lots of challenges that we face in this world that need to be addressed. Uh, part of my uh, mindset for 2023 is really addressing the world with truth. And in hopes that the truth will not be rejected, right? Whether it's rejected or not, I'd say I'm just going to speak it and go from there. Now, you have, you always say everyone has a voice. And you say, speak your authenticity into the world. In your working with organizations, and you mentioned kind of earlier that some people don't want to speak out and because they're, they're fearful. How do we overcome the fear to actually say what needs to be said in a very um, strategic way so that we can uh, give the voice to the voiceless in organizations? Yeah, I love this. So the... Fear, I think the first thing, getting back to the starting point of say it skillfully, and it's a me, you, we framework. So where am I? So going leaning into fear without judging it, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel afraid. That's important to know. Okay, why do I feel afraid? Well, the last person who said anything was, you know, fired on the spot and was never hired again. Okay, well, that's maybe that's pretty legit. Okay, the guy said, spoke up and he was fired on the spot and never had a job again. That's that's a legit fear. So Molly is just on record here, not telling anyone to put your head on the chopping block. Okay. Like right. That is, that's not right. So if you are in one of these situations, and I'm very, very serious about this. If you are in a place where it's really, where people don't really want to hear what people think, I'm going to really ask you, why are you there? Mm -hmm. Because you are enabling that culture to persist. And I'm really genuine about this. I, I get that some people can't afford the luxury of changing jobs. I think, you know, so I, I honor that. And you have to know if you're staying in a place which really has that bad of a culture, you're, you're helping it persist. And so you've got to acknowledge that that's being a bit a part of the problem. You're not a bad person, but you're enabling it. So I just want to offer that to folks, first and foremost. You have to pick the place that deserves you. That does take some courage. That takes some sense of self-worth. I get it. But I, I would implore people to go there. For the rest, okay, is it a manufactured fear? Is it, is it an excuse for me to not speak up because I can say I'm afraid? You got to get cold with that. The leaders I work with, at least, want the truth. They are not up there working their butts off day in, day out so that people lie to them. Okay, that's not what they want. Your experience may be that they're not as open as they think they are. Again, shared reality, different experiences. So therefore, there lies the opportunity. And so effective communication is about what others hear, not what you think you just said. That ability, you want to speak your truth, Terry, I got it. But it's, it's incumbent that you create a fertile soil for that news to land. 
So that might be empathizing. You know, gosh, Susan, I can imagine it's, you know, sometimes it can be really hard. People can be very critical. Um, so I want you to know that I, I saw something that I think could be helpful. I don't mean it in a way of criticism. Would now be a good time to share it? Asking for permission. Give a person a chance. You know, my head is exploding. I can't now, but how about tomorrow? Okay, great, Susan, I'll come back. I noticed X. I don't think that that's what you intended, right? I could see why people may not speak up as a result. And here's, you know, I just want to throw that out there. Here's a suggestion, you know, but that spirit of wanting to help someone versus judge them is very palpable, right? I can tell when someone like wants to, cares about me and wants to help me. They may not even be perfectly skillful, but I can tell that positive intent. Now, if I'm going out to tell Susan, she's the dumbest leader I've ever worked for. And she's, you know, like, obviously that's not, that's going to come across people. Right. So that's the being good relationship with myself. Am I going out to prove Terry wrong? I'm going to show that Terry, he's so wrong. Okay, great. <laughs> that's super. Right. Way to go. Golf club. That's the ego getting the better of us. Right. Or is your ego in check? And this notion of assuming positive intent. Look, at I grew up feeling a bit judged. So it was very easy for me to judge. That was a big learning for myself. So I still have that tendency, but I can, I can work it and say, look, are you, am I creating meaning out of something that's not there? I have to really tone that down a little bit. Um, so those are the micro things that are going on for me moment by moment. So I just want folks to know it's, it's not, uh, it's not a there, there, right? It's a continual practice of, of staying present, of uh, assuming positive intent, of trying to express myself in a way that shows up as a partner, as a supporter to someone. Of course I fail, right? But I can, that's at least my, what I'm trying to do. Now we're, we're talking about this shared reality concept and we're talking about, uh, you know, your communication really has to do with how somebody receives it more so than what you intend to project. So that kind of brings to mind the concept of reality checking. So I was wondering if you could maybe give us some ideas of how you, how you reality check that your communication has landed in the way you intended or needs revision. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have a phrase, transparency is our friend. Mm -hmm. So getting transparent. So especially if we're not on the same page, we want to have transparency of that. So you want to not judge that. That's great right? When people are coming to you with things that may be hard to say. Um, but lots of times for leaders, we can say a lot. Say, talk, 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 And, you know, it's a lot consumed. So the ability to kind of say, wait a second, I've been talking for like three minutes. You know, I've said a lot. What are you hearing? False. Okay. And let people share what they're hearing. Not in a, you know, like questioning, did you hear the right thing? But hear what they, and then Thank you for sharing that. Perfect. I feel like that's the message that I wanted to have come across. Or, ah, that's on me. You know, I'm, I obviously was not clear about this one point. Let me try that again. Now, on both sides, if you're hearing someone and you're, it's just kind of like, wah, 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 you, you, hey, one second, I have lost you. Do you do me a huge favor? I really want to understand you. Could you start over um, and, and let me try that again? Totally fair game, folks. We all daydream, we lose it. You know, but don't be doing this when you really have no idea what's going on because they think you understand and you don't understand, right? So that's where you have to get in good relationship with yourself. Am I worried about looking stupid because I, I lost track? 
or am I more, or do I really want to understand? Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Do I worry about looking stupid or do I really want to understand? For most people, I know what that answer would be, right? They don't want to look stupid. <laughs> Listen, I got to tell you, nobody wants to look stupid, right? I get it. So that ability to raise something, you know, I may have missed something. Apologies, apologies if I spaced out um, whatever your question is, right? And for the most part, folks, if you have a question, somebody else has the same question, okay? Mm. You're unlikely to be so unique that you're the only one who has that thought, okay? So you might just say, uh, you know, maybe some other folks have it. Let me just put it out there. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm so confused and dumb, I don't understand. Okay, You don't have to say that. <laughs> there's, a, there's many ways that you can introduce a notion. I think I'm getting this. Can I phrase this? And then correct me if I'm wrong. I think I got part of it. But does this sound about right? Put it out there. We all know that, you know, when you are really able to learn something, it's when you can teach it. Mm -hmm. So give a shot at it. And let me just tell you that that shows great confidence. Okay. I don't know. I don't actually know it. And I'm coming across as confident. Huge. And when some one person does it, oh, look at that was great. That person didn't fall over and die. That, that went okay. So that <laughs> means that other people potentially try it. And then that's called leading. And so to this notion, um, Doc, I thought you brought it up of this sharing it and hearing it. Sure. Wouldn't it be amazing if all leaders said, look, I get that we're all not going to have the same opinions. I want to make sure that we're really hearing the full diversity of everyone's thoughts, disagreeing, what have you. Let's bubble it all out there. That's what we would love, right? And then everyone knows. And then when someone says bad news or says something that's unpopular, the leader says, oh, my gosh, thanks so much for sharing that. I know that might have been hard to say. As opposed to, who said that? <laughs> well, I had a dime for every time I heard that. I'm like, dude, that is not what you say when someone tells you tough news. Who said that? <laughs> it's over. Done. Safety evaporated. Okay? And, and I'm joking a little bit. All of us as leaders have done that because you yes. want to know who said it. Okay? You got to yeah. like hold it back because that's not helpful at that point. I'm not yeah. saying it's irrelevant. Okay? I'm not saying it's irrelevant. I'm just saying you need to think about when what when you know when you're doing what you're doing and and the unintended consequence that might have right and again as you build trust this gets easier a lot of teams don't have the trust that they would like okay so let me back up to the fact that that's all about the courage to be vulnerable because vulnerability is a must for trust and all the leaders on the phone are like oh my god like everyone freaks out <laughs> at that term so we have to head fake everybody into that but that's the point is you got to be real and vulnerability is a judgment call. You can't just be vulnerable about everything. You don't want to look like this weak, incompetent leader. I get it, right? <laughs> At the same time, there's a need to be perceived as real. So that's that again, that's an authentic thing that a Molly does in one way, that a Terry does another, a Doc does another. You've got to find your way to being real um, that, that works. And, and that, that takes some experimenting, for sure. Yeah, yeah. As we were going, you were going through that. It kind of reminded me of one of my favorite lines from Ted Lasso. You know, I shouldn't have brought an umbrella to a brainstorm. You know, he, he apologizes. And he, but you're you're talking about two key topics really that that are so important in leadership: humble curiosity and vulnerability, and how you strike that balance. And of course, that has a lot to do with all the team dynamics that exist. So I've heard you in, in some of your 
online stuff talk about the relationship dimension and team performance. So to me, those are kind of connected, although everything's connected to my brain to some degree, but can you, can you help us a little bit about that relationship dimension and team performance? Yeah. So this is, I, I work with folks and I, I say, look at, you can think of your role along these two dimensions, right? One is the task and one is the relationship. Task is hit the numbers, make the deadline. Um, and we know that the relationship dimension underpins the highest performance. Like everybody knows that we still jump to task. And the dirty little secret is that if you know who you're working with and how you work together, the task is a lot easier, right? But we get the cart before the horse, like a lot, <laughs> a lot. And so the ability to have created the connection with people and, and, and this vulnerability, you think about, well, what do I have to share? Look at, if you don't know your teammate's strengths, and your teammates don't know your strengths and you don't know their weaknesses and they don't know your, your weaknesses, you're not going to combine in the most powerful way. Newsflash, go to any sports team, right? So that is a vulnerability to be like, I'm not, I'm not so great at this. Oh, I'm really great at that. And so that ability to, for a unique group of people to combine in that unique way that only that group can takes that level of openness and it takes some time and, and intention. You don't miraculously become a championship level team. It takes practice. So I, and I know a lot of folks, you know, I've used this before because a lot of the leadership team may have a lot of men play a lot of team sports. And I'm thinking, did you not watch all weekend this team sport thing going on? And then somehow you got to work. That's right. And Monday it just went out the door. That's right. Nice. So I really offer that as a, I think a very apt and powerful, um, you know, metaphor for, Teamwork. Sure, you can have one star player. There's nothing wrong with having one star player. Now, if the star player gets injured, you know, so if you can really exploit the talents of every single team member, you might have more sustainability, you know, and more, more wherewithal uh, to go through tough times. Again, there's no, I'm not, Molly's not advocating one's right and one's wrong, but the ability to have the range and to choose wisely is important. There are times when full on, you know, autocracy you know they dictate that sometimes some of the buildings on fire get out okay great that's good you know there's nothing i don't want to say inherently wrong um so there's that there's that judging thing i might come up with again so how can you be open to the the situation and what best serves that situation can you be the leader to lead that way you know to, as opposed to perhaps maybe more of a one-trick pony um if you can have more range that might help you be um, more effectively in different situations. I'm also gonna raise a point on that. People like consistency in leaders. Mm -hmm. And so if you show up one way or very different, that potentially could be confusing. So your ability to connect the dots, I use this with leaders a lot. You have to connect the dots. Don't assume that what, whatever you're doing, people will interpret it exactly the way that you want them to. You know, sometimes I can be a real, you know, hard ball, but I'm gonna be real marshmallow right now and I'll tell you why. Right. So you're, you, you want to create the context, create the story to bring people along. Do not assume that people are tracking. Right. You've got to be able to, to connect the dots. for folks. You know, uh, what I'm hearing are two critical pieces. And I just gave gave a, one of them away. I'm hearing critical thinking in motion. I'm also hearing strategic thinking in motion. And I say in motion because. As you communicate with whomever you're communicating with and you're hearing them, sometimes, as you mentioned earlier, we may want to respond one way, 
but we take that sigh and we respond in a way that's best given who I'm communicating with and what I'm saying. And so there's a lot of humanity that comes into play. Now, we're talking about leaders of organizations and, you know, we're talking about, you know, changing behaviors of how you communicate. My question is always, how do we get an organization this way? Because we started it at early ages. We started it at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, where it becomes the norm to think critically, to think to think strategically, so that when they become leaders in organizations, it's a part of their skill set. Yeah, you're like speaking my language. So so here's the thing, and I love how you synthesize this, that strategic tactical uh, muscle, for sure, leaders, you have to have, you have to have both, but great leaders have both um, and the ability to kind of flow through that and serve the situation, I think is, is really, really powerful. Um, you know, what you kind of like, well, how did we get here? Right. And you're like, how, how, how? so here's, here's the thing. It's very easy for people to blame. The leaders don't want to hear it. It's always been this way. It's never going to change the end. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Okay. That's how you really think about your workplace. I'm like, give it up. Okay. So we have un- all unconsciously enabled situations to be the way they are. I'm not making us bad people for that, but everyone has to own their fair share. If a particular leader over a, and I've worked with folks like this, 40 year career are a certain way, um, it's because over 40 years, no one raised that with that person, (laughs) okay? Because those folks are not bad people, okay? And I have worked with folks who are like, what? Nobody has ever told them. So, it's been ingrained. And I'll use my parents as an example. You know, my mom raised us and there's a lot of things about my dad's behavior. She just kind of, she just boxed it off. He's like, I'm raising these kids the most perfect way I can. And I'll deal with that in 30 years. Okay. <laughs> and so then 30 years happens. And my dad, who's been doing something for 30 years, who thinks it's totally fine, is getting, you know, his head handed to him. And like overnight, he's just like, what happened? So it's that, it's that kind of thing. And so when I help people, this is the, the driver for change in terms of the skillfulness. I think that when I help people realize, look, you're not a bad person, but you are part of the problem if you're not helping your boss see a blind spot. And they get it. They get it. Because I said, if someone saw a blind spot in you and they didn't tell you, right, how would you feel? Mm-hmm. Would you want to be running around where everybody knew something about you except you? That would be horrible. So your, your higher performance, get it. It's uncomfortable for them still, but they're like, you know what? That's my responsibility. And that's what I would like to ignite in all people is that you have a point of view. You have something that could be helpful. It may not be as helpful as you think, but it could be. It is your, your real opportunity. And I would say responsibility to put it out there. Right. And if everybody does that, you know, everybody does a little, boy, we make a lot of progress. We make a lot of progress. And I think the the leaders, I get it. So it can be so doggy dog, it can be so, you know, you know, one one person over another. And to be able to call it out and say, you know, we're kind of in a zoo here. Is this is this the example we want for our people? I mean, I've been when I was coming up through the ranks of big companies, you could look up and you're like, that person hates that person. 
So all the people in their respective reporting lines are screwing around, trying to make sure that they're running interference because their bosses hate each other, but they're trying to do good work. This goes on all day long. Okay. <laughs> you're like, people, that's not what your your folks deserve. Right. So let's let's own it. We don't have to love all our friends at work, but we do have to respect them enough to work well together. Can we find some common ground and do just that? And by the way, it's way more fun to win, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can combine and win, that that's a real upside. It's super powerful how you emphasize that we each are both part of the solution and part of the problem. And the power in that is, is hard to hard to overstate. I wonder how we navigate this polarity in a virtual world. Cause it's a yes. lot harder. Yeah. So here's the thing I, um, and I remember way back when early days of Cisco, we had the early telepresence. So we had the high def, seriously high def video before a lot of folks. So it was, I, so I've always been very comfortable virtually. So sure. I do get that being face to face is more effective. I don't think it's super helpful for, for people to think, well, it's really hard virtually. Well, if you want to make it hard virtually, you go ahead and make it hard. I don't have a problem with that. Just saying. Okay. So I think these days now it can take some extra effort. It can take um, a little bit more skillfulness to do it, to create the space, but video is very high quality. Today. I, you know, you can see what's going on with people. You have to make the effort. And so for, for folks who may lead teams, all of a sudden you're virtual saying, Hey, you know, one thing I'm realizing and bad on me, you know, when we had the chance to spend time together, we didn't get together as much as, as I would have liked own it. Okay. But you know, as we're getting going here, I'm going to make the rounds and every week I'm going to spend time, whatever it is to connect with people so that you really feel connected to them and they feel connected to you. That's just, that is something that we can absolutely prioritize. And I've had folks who say, Hey, we have one-on-ones. We tend to get into a lot of tasks, but every other one, we're going to spend a little more time on how we work or who we are, or what have you. It takes two to tango. So I want to also encourage to people who, when you have a boss, oh, I know you're so busy, you know, it would really help me if we could spend a little quality time. I'd love to know a little bit about your journey uh, in work and, and how you got to where you are. Okay. That you can absolutely find ways to reach out with an olive branch on both sides to everyone's benefit, to everyone's benefit. Because when we have the ease of, I can be who I am, with all my faults and mistakes and still be loved and respected, you're going to do great work. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Molly, you know, it's, this has been a great conversation and it's obvious that you're very skillful in communicating. So if there were people who wanted to reach out to you uh, for your services, your advice, um, how would they reach you? Uh, well, I appreciate your kind words. I have a website, say I am um, starting, I will be creating a course, an online course. And um, so I asked for people to sign up for the newsletter. There's a lot of free resources there. Um, and I'll be looking for input because I really want to create something that is both experiential, has a practical component in addition to the skills. Um, and then I really want to ask folks listening. I have a weekly radio show. From time to time, I take callers and I would love if you called me and we unpack a situation that you have because it's a way for you to learn and it's a way to help um, thousands of people around the world to learn too. And that's being part of the solution. So, you know, I, I really do want people to, um, to be able to speak up in an authentic way 
uh, to help create a shared reality. And, you know, as, as we talked about, when you say it skillfully, you can be part of the solution. Well, for our listeners, I cannot possibly recommend Molly high enough. At least two or three times a week, I pick up a piece that she does online and I always am able to use it in the same week and use it repeatedly. So that's a great source to go to and and learn. We'd like to thank you, uh, Molly, for joining us today. And we'd like to thank our listeners for the time they've spent with us. You've mentioned how to get in contact with you through the Say It Skillfully website. If you need to uh, see us, unlikelyintersection.com or one of our channels on uh, YouTube or Spotify. Me uh, on LinkedIn at Doc Philip Brown and Terry. You can catch me at LinkedIn as well at Terry Jackson, PhD. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you for helping us say it more skillfully, Molly. Well, I uh, I just want to harp felt shout out to two of my favorite people on honor to be with you. Um, and I'm grateful for the ways that you really help other people unleash their potential. So your listeners are very fortunate and I shall look forward to waking cross paths uh, live very soon. Yes. Thank you. Sounds good. We'll see everybody at the next intersection. Mm-hmm.